This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, that is so foreign. It, automatically, I would not be happy if I'm going through trials and tribulation, but he further explains that. And so that's part of his message. However, the main emphasis of the letter is to expose the hypocritical practices uh, and to give instruction in practical Christian living, to live by faith. What is your response when you face trials and tribulations in life? The human reaction is usually to fight against the source of the adversity. However, Pastor Eddie reminds you today that the Christian walk empowers you to count it as joy when you face difficulties in life. If Jesus is guiding your steps, you can have confidence that He will steer you in the right direction when you face those difficulties. You don't have to figure it out alone. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Introduction to the Book of James. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, I think it's, it's good to know who this James is. We, we, we kind of, process of elimination, we know this is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Let's look a little bit about who this James is based on Scripture. I mean, we can only uh, look at Scripture and find who this James is. And, and that's the good thing about the Scriptures. It'll tell you who this James is. And so first thing, we're going to look at seven things of this James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Seven, we're going to look at seven things in the, of his life. Number one, he was an unbeliever. He was an unbeliever. During Jesus' ministry, James did not believe and follow Jesus. Well, he was his brother, right? Jesus had a prophet is not accepted in his own home, okay? Um, it's amazing. I always kind of bother Judy and my girls, and I'll say, well, you know, it's amazing. You know, I shed wisdom to the congregation, but somehow when I speak at home, it's like, okay, it's challenged. But... You know, who knows what the upbringing was with Jesus and his brothers, but James did not follow and believe in Christ. As a matter of fact, there was a time where James and his brother, uh, you know, and the other brothers uh, kind of really sort of tease and mock Jesus. And you find that in John chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. It's, this is what they were saying to Jesus. It says, His brothers therefore said to him, Jesus, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Verse 5, For even his brothers did not believe in him. Uh, what they were trying to say is they knew at this time in Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus had already done a lot of miracles. And at, they were looking for Jesus, that is. They wanted to kill him. They already planned to kill him. They were looking for him. So his brother said, hey, it's like they knew they were looking for Jesus to kill him. Say, why don't you just go? Show yourself. Go. Go to Judea. Go ahead. Um, they were mocking him. And since James is the oldest of all his half-brothers and sisters, we can be assured that he did most of the talking here. 
Okay? Uh, usually that's how it goes. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? You know, he witnessed the life. Oh, he's the golden child. You know, he's, you know, he's, he, he was born miraculously. You know, he's so special. He is the Christ, the son of God. I'm pretty sure he heard it over and over again. Like James. James, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? <laughs> Can you imagine? All these brothers, you know, why can't you be like your brother Jesus? I mean, that's a tall order to have. Well, so that's the first thing. We knew that he was an unbeliever, but number two, James subsequently became a believer and follower of Christ. And that took place after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that James began to believe. And so Christ rose from the grave. And now at that time, Paul tells us in Corinthians that he appeared to over 500 people. We're talking about the resurrected Christ. We find in, in the book of Acts chapter 1 that Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection before he ascended to heaven to be with the Father. And so can you imagine? He rose from the grave. Many people saw him, and he was in, on earth, the resurrected Christ, before he was glorified, the resurrected Christ, 40 days on earth. But he appeared to James. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. And Paul writes this, But I delivered to you first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to be present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And it is this James. So James was an unbeliever. He became a believer. And number three, James was present at the birth of the church in the day of Pentecost. We find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, these all continue in one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, all of them, including James. So all the brothers. So he was there. He was an unbeliever. He became a believer. He was there. You know, after those 40 days, he met Jesus, his brother. He says, oh, brother, I'm sorry. And now he's, he's waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He was there the day of Pentecost. And number four, he was a servant. James was a servant. Look at verse 1 again of chapter 1. It says, James a Bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was an unbeliever, a believer. He was there at the church, and now he's a servant. He goes on, and from being a servant, he made his way up, not him, but the Lord moved him up to be an apostle. That's number five. James became an apostle. That's the fifth thing we're looking at. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, Paul says, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and remain with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So he didn't see the other apostles, but James became an apostle. As a matter of fact, Paul went to James to see James at, in Jerusalem. It was James became one of the pillars in the church of Jerusalem. And uh, whenever there was a problem, remember when the Judaizers came and all the legalistic people started saying, well, you know, yeah, you got to practice all this. But, and they said, no, we're going to Jerusalem. That was like headquarters. That was like the main church in Jerusalem. So James uh, became a servant. 
He became an apostle. Uh, and number six, James had a great testimony. He had a great testimony. Eusebius, who is known as the, one of the fathers of church history, writes that James, the brother of Jesus, was called James the just or James the righteous. And that is because of the life he lived. He had a good testimony that everybody called him James the just. He was a righteous brother in Christ and he was set the example. And then later on, he was nicknamed Camel Knees. Why? Because he was always in prayer, that callous he had on his knees. I don't know if you've ever seen the knees of a camel. It's the most ugliest thing ever. And so they called him Camel Knees because he prayed. And I can tell you something that I remember. I remember my grandmother. She always had, you know, callous on her knees. And it was so obvious. And so she was a, a woman of prayer. So James was nicknamed later on as Camel Knees. The seventh and final thing we want to look at is that James was martyred. He was martyred for the faith. The Jewish historian Josephus uh, said that James, a half-brother of Jesus, was martyred around A.D. 62, around A.D. 62. So this is the James. So he, we eliminated the James, the five James mentioned in the New Testament. We boiled it down to James, a half-brother of Jesus. We saw seven things about his life just so we can know who he is, his character. And so he's the half-brother of Jesus, camel knees, James the just. Now we continue with the who, the other part of the who. Who were the recipients of the letter? Who did James, the half-brother of Jesus, write this letter to? Well, look at verse 1 again. It says, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now, the term 12 tribes is a title used in the New Testament to refer to the nation of Israel. It is speaking about Jewish People. The Bible, understand, is Eastern-centric, and we tend to Western culturize the Bible and interpret it into our world. And we think that everybody in the Bible is, is, is are Gentiles. No, it's all Jewish. He is writing, referring to the Jews who, had, uh, who have been scattered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. That is the reason why. We're going to know, we're going to see that in the theme of the letter. These Jews were like the Jews we've studied in the book of Hebrews when we finished the book of Hebrews. There were Jews who found that Jesus Christ it fulfilled all the messianic prophecy of the Messiah. And because they believed that Yeshua is the Mashiach, uh, they suffered persecution. That is the case also here of the background of this letter, the recipients. And we know that even though he is writing uh, to uh, Jewish believers in the Messiah, they were Jewish, we know that he's referring to Christian Jews because 12 times he mentions, he makes reference to Jesus. He mentions his name twice, but when he points to he in capital H, so we see that in your Bibles, not that it was really written in capital H, but it's 12 references to Jesus. However, the recipients, understand this, the recipients are not only the 12 tribes of Israel who've been scattered, but we are the recipients as well, you and I. Uh, we've been grafted into the olive tree. We've been grafted in. The root is Abraham. And so we've been grafted in. And so this letter that we're going to study is applicable for us even today. And so that is the who. Now let's look at the date. 
When was this letter written? Regarding the date, the epistle, uh, many of the scholars believe that James was written rather early in the first century, around A.D. 45. A.D. 45. Um, that's before the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. So this letter predates uh, a lot of the letters. It predates the, the Pauline epistles, as a matter of fact. This predates Paul. Uh, and if that is true, that it was written around 45 AD, now there might be some, you know, uh, different scholars have different, uh, you know, dates for this. That means that the book of James that we're about to study is the first book written in the entire New Testament, the first book written, AD 45. Now let's look at the reason, the purpose. Why was this letter written? We know the author, we know the date, we know the recipients were the Jewish believers who've been scattered abroad. This letter is to encourage the early church, to encourage. Like the recipients of the book of Hebrews, um, the book of James, uh, you know, they were going through much persecution, uh, trials, and they were being persecuted both by their family who, because they accepted Jesus the Messiah, but also Rome to the Gentiles. So these Jews, these believing Jews were being uh, persecuted by the Jews who they've been ostracized because they follow Jesus the Messiah and, you know, many of the Gentiles in Rome. Um, so this is what James is going to write. Um, we'll get to it, Lord willing. Uh, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, really, it's easy to say count it all joy when you go through various trials. That's in verse 2 of chapter 1. So in our next study, that's the first verse we're going to look at. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, that is so foreign. It, automatically, I would not be happy if I'm going through trials and tribulation, but he further explains that. And so that's part of his message. However, the main emphasis of the letter is to expose the hypocritical practices and to give instruction in practical Christian living, to live by faith. Two things are common in a believer in Jesus Christ. We will go through trials and tribulations, right? That's one thing. And we're going to be tested. We'll be tested and we'll go through trials. Those are things that are inevitable. You're going to, it's going to happen throughout your life. But what's going to help you through those things that is faith. It's faith. And so we're not going to look into, uh, you know, deep uh, doctrinal insights, but I guarantee you, you will be hammered, hit hard <laughs> by uh, James. And it's going to be a tough and uncomfortable study in some areas. Um, and I could tell you this right now, if James was a pastor today, he would not have anybody in the pews. <laughs> we have gone so far, but I think that's important for us to know, hey, we need to stay the course. We need to call sin what sin is. If God calls it sin, regardless of how culture changed, God doesn't change the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God calls it sin, we, it is sin. They want to be politically correct by labels, labeling certain things like alternative lifestyles, instead of calling it homosexuality, or abortion, call it pro-choice. Now, call it what you may, it's sin. If God considers it sin, it's going to be sin. And even for us, as we live, as Christians, we're going to say we're Christians? Well, how much of a Christian are you? And James is going to do that in this book. He's going to show that. Now, let's look at the theme. The theme of the book of James, uh, we'll see that by two key uh, passages, three verses. Um, 
First, we see in James chapter 2, verse 14, James write this. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, this passage of, of Scripture has had uh, some old, uh, you know, 400 years ago, uh, scholars um, study like Martin Luther. Martin Luther, when he first read the book of James, he felt it shouldn't be in the Bible because he misunderstood. Uh, you would think he's a theologian, right? <laughs> you, your mind couldn't be that polluted with social media back then, right? So you would think, but you know, later on, you know, he, he, he changed a little bit. Yeah, Martin Luther became an anti-Semite, you know, some of the materials he wrote. Um, there were some things he had good, but some things that were really bad. Again, no one is perfect. We all have feet of clay. But he didn't believe in this passage because uh, he misunderstood the work part. And so let's look at the other key verse, James chapter 2, verses 17 to 18. James chapter 2, verse 17 18. He says, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith with my works. And so it's been taken on the context. In other words, what James is saying here, what he's saying here, we're going to see that as we rightly divide the word of truth and compare with all scriptures, looking at the text clearly, um, what he's saying, faith without works is dead. Without works is dead. So some people will look at that. Isn't that contradictory? Isn't it it's contrary to what the Apostle Paul tells us? He was the champion of grace, right? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, We're saved by grace, not through faith, less, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, yeah, we're, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about after salvation, the evidence of your faith. And that is the key thing. We're going to be convicted here. Because it's going to really put you in a place where, hey, you know what? I have faith. I'm saved. I, it wasn't by works. But how I live in faith and how I honor God in my faith, I walk by faith, right? I live by faith. Everything is by faith. My testimony, everything I do, whether I serve and I love people, what I do to be more Christ-like, to have compassion, it's the evidence of your faith. And so James is not saying it is faith and works that save a man. He ignores he's saying faith or works, but what he is saying, it is faith that works. And that's pretty much the theme of the book of James. Faith that works, not faith unto salvation. We've been saved. Not by works, not by religion, not by rituals, because Christ did the work for us on the cross. Anything uh, that you're taught or people share, uh, is a, a Christ and doctrine, Christ and do this, Christ and do that. No, the Messiah Jesus fulfilled the work of salvation. He himself was a, a sacrifice for our sins. He did the work of the cross. To add anything to your belief, to your faith in Christ Jesus, is really to say that Jesus did not complete the work of the cross. And that's some serious stuff. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't say, uh, take it from here, guys. I got us this far. Now you do part two, part three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No. He said, Telestai, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. So we didn't have to do anything for salvation, just simply believe and accept them as Lord and Messiah. And now, because we are saved, 
we have faith. And the evidence of that is what we do for the Lord. The evidence of that is to live for Christ. And so be it's faith in action. It's faith in action. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 24, he writes this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. We're going to study this maybe in two Sundays from now. We don't know. Deceiving yourself, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observed himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he is. So we hear the word. We study the word. The question is, are you living it? Are you doing it? That's where James is going to go. That's a lot. <laughs> Let me tell you. I tell you, bring your elbow pads. James is going to hit us hard. And, and hopefully that it, it's good. You know, it, you know, you prune a tree in order for it not to die and grow, right? You need it, you know. And so that's what James is going to do. So, you know, before we begin out, you know, we're going to start out verse by verse study. We read the text, right? We looked at the background of the book of James, right? We looked at the author. Uh, we know a little bit about which James it is and who James was. And we looked at the recipients. We looked at the date. We looked at the reason for uh, the letter. We looked at the theme and a couple of key verses. Now let us begin our journey in studying the book of James verse by verse. So we're going to study chapter 1, verse 1, okay? <laughs> chapter 1, verse 1. James writes this, James a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after we've studied the life of James, don't now you know him, you get a sense, I know this James now. I know a little bit, I really know him now. He is the half-brother Jesus, didn't believe, and that's why the background is so important. So now you know how his life, how he changed. Because when we read this, he opens his letter in a humble fashion. He humbled himself. It's very humble. This introductory, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He introduced himself. But notice he didn't introduce himself as the half-brother of Jesus. I mean, if it was me, I would have done that. <laughs> I said, Eddie, a bondservant of God. <laughs> You know, I am the brother of Jesus, the half-brother. You know, I can tell you a lot. I could write a little biography. You want to know about Jesus? I could really tell you about Jesus. But, you know, he humbled himself. He didn't say, he didn't call, he didn't, no relation to him. But he considered himself a bondservant. A bondservant. He humbled himself. He said, forget about this brother stuff. <laughs> I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ and of God. And so the word bond servant here is the Greek word doulos, doulos. And it, it's a slave, it's a bondman devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of James. This book is like a giant mirror that forces you to take a good look at the true you, challenging you to reflect in actions what you talk about on a daily basis. It's not enough to make a statement of faith. It must be lived out. Do you struggle with matching your behavior with your beliefs? We'd be honored to come alongside you in prayer. Won't you call or email us? All the contact information can be found on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Again, 
That's runningtheraceradio.com. Running the Race is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Here's Jessica to tell you more about how you can partner with us beyond listening to our programs. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit us. Service times and directions are on runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you for listening to this edition with Pastor Eddie and Running the Race.